Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends gathered, I invite you to pray with me. We just ask God to bless the preaching of his word. So we pray. Heavenly Father, I'm just asking that everyone here would get a clear vision, a clear vision of your goodness, of who you are and how great you are, of what our destiny is someday forever with you. And Lord, I pray for people who might be new or new to this message, uh, that you would just convince them that you are real, that you are good, and that you are here. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, a uh, happy anniversary, church, eight years, and uh, good to share this day with you. Um, and today's a day to just amen the goodness of God, to amen all the things that he has done for us and all the things that he may possibly do. You know, I was doing an Old Testament study of, of ways they celebrated the goodness of God. When, when Noah was done with the flood, when Abraham had met with God, when Moses had conquered, you know what they did? They built an altar. Now, we don't build an altar to celebrate the goodness of God. We eat pizza. So uh, that's our version of building an altar. Welcome to Amazing Love. It's a good time. Well, as we consider great days in God's goodness, I wanted to ask this question. I want to get your mind here. What has been your best day ever? Give, it, give some thought to that. Give some thought to that. And, and kids have a rough time with that. Like, uh, they just throw this around glibly. Like, we go out for ice cream, and it's the best day ever. I'm like, I'm sorry, kid. It hasn't been a good life for you. But, but what, is, what has been your, like, best day ever? I wanted to let you in into one of mine. Is that okay? So as you, as you ponder yours. Um, one of my best days ever was in one of the greatest places on earth, which is Orlando, Florida. It is, yes. And, and it was with my favorite person on earth, which is my wife, Catherine Bloomer. And, and it was a few years back when our kids were really young. I know there are some people with young kids here. And, and that is such a blessing, isn't it? But it's exhausting, right? Like, that's a high level of responsibility, God, right? And so this was the first time we were going to get away, not just for one night, but for a couple nights all by ourselves. And I wanted to do it up big, so I was searching, and I'm kind of a frugal search hunter guy, you know, shopper, that's, that's me innately, I'm not sure what other gifts I have, but I can shop all day long. But anyway, and I was searching, and there was this new hotel, and it was brand spanking new, and they needed someone to be there. It was called the Waldorf Astoria. And I picked up a great rate for like $169 a night, and it was still a splurge, but I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria. So we pull up to this place of grandeur, in our dented Dodge Caravan. <laughs> and what is awesome is instead of giving us this smug, cold shoulder, they welcomed us as if we were important. They welcomed the dented Dodge Caravan as if we belonged there. Like, welcome. They're like, we're celebrities. And then we get to the front desk and we tell them it's our anniversary. Seven years, right? And they say, okay, because that's the case, you don't get a standard room. We have upgraded you to a suite. We walk into this suite, and it is, 
I mean, they had an espresso before that was a thing. They, they had a separate living space and, and the bedroom and a balcony and this bathroom. And I mean, it was just a ball. I mean, we, we went swimming, we ate stuff, we watched movies. It was, here's just that day. Amazing. Florida. Florida is good. Chicago's good too, though. Here, I love Chicago. But that was a good day. What's your day? What's your day? What's your day? I know there are some mountain people here. Maybe it was Breckenridge. Maybe it was Jackson Hole. What's your day? I know there are some cruise people here. Maybe it was a cruise somewhere in the Caribbean. I, I know some people enjoy the lake. Maybe it was a lake day. I know some people are family people, so it was just about being with that person, whoever that person was, or maybe the birth of a, a, a new child. I, I, what's your day? What's your day? As you have that in your mind, have you, have you found it? Now imagine that you get to live in that moment for a thousand years days. Imagine if that experience now lasts for three years. Whatever is in your mind, for three years, you get to live and soak up that best day ever. So now that I've brought you to that place, I want to make a very bold statement as you're here at Amazing Love. Are you ready for it? This is why we came. Heaven is better. Heaven is better. Can you just say that word with me? Say it better. Heaven is better. I got a passage for you. I do. In fact, God even talked about this. Look at this passage from the Psalms. He says, say that word again, better is one day, (laughs) one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We've considered elsewhere. It could be Waldorf, the Caribbean. It could be mountains. It could be time with family. It could be the World Series. Yeah, all those elsewheres, if they lasted a thousand, One day isn't even just on the same level. It's better. One day is better than three years in that total existence. See why I'm a pastor? See why I like talking about heaven? But here's the deal. Is this the common perception people have over heaven? Do they really consider that it is going to be better than a collection of best days ever? I got to tell you, I'm a little disturbed by the common perceptions of what heaven are. I don't know if you're with me there. In fact, uh, I grew up with the Far Side cartoons. You remember them? Far Side cartoons. This is classic, right? <laughs> Love that. Anyway. Anyone remember that one? Okay. Well, they also had a picture of heaven. And, and I like this one, but I don't like this one. Like, this is my pastoral pet peeve, all in like one picture. First of all, he's on a cloud. The heaven doesn't talk about just like rain clouds that we sit on. Another thing, we don't transform into angels. You will not be an angel. Let's even consider it. We, we will judge the angels. I don't even know how that works, but I, I, I know we're not an angel. And then he says, I wish I brought a magazine because he's like bored. Man, I don't want to be in that heaven. Or there's the tales of Huckleberry Finn. And, and Finn here, or Huck learns that, that it's just about singing and playing the harp. And Huck doesn't sing, so he's like, I don't know if I want to be there. And, and Huckleberry Finn, I don't know if I want to be there either if it's just singing and playing the harp. Or then I look at societal views on um, heaven. And, and there's a show, and I don't know if this show is any good. I haven't seen it for full disclosure. Uh, but, but there's a societal view on heaven called The, the Good Place. And I just watched the previews, and, and it seems like to have a good time there, you kind of have to be a rebel. Like, like it, just from the previews, it looks like heaven is a pretty stuffy place where you have to be good to kind of get in. And, and it just, it's not it. Then there's Billy Joel. 
Billy Joel is coming to Wrigley Field. Billy Joel has the river of dreams. I like that song. Uh, but one of the lyrics I don't like from Billy Joel is this. It says, uh, from only the good die young. They say there's a heaven for those who await. Some say it's better. I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Beyond the song, though, I've had the real conversations with people who actually think that hell is going to be more fun than their idea of heaven. And that just confirms to me that there are so many different views about heaven. In fact, I heard another pastor say that if heaven doesn't thrill you and hell doesn't chill you, you don't know what the Bible says on the matter. So you want to know our goal today? Here's our goal. We want to redeem the concept of heaven. We want to understand what this means for eternity. And so we get to dive into God's word. And, and first of all, I wanted to welcome you if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to Amazing Love. And it's okay if you have questions. And, and today might be like drinking out of a fire hose. And, and it's okay even if you've been burnt by the church. We get it. Like we're an imperfect organization trying to represent a perfect one and we fail. But, but what I'm hoping if, if you're new is that you sense some, some goodness. That you're just left with a, a glimmer of goodness. That, that you believe that there is a God and that he's a good God who wants good for you. That, that would be my hope and my prayer. But just welcome. Just glad that you're here. But as we are here, let's lean into God's word. Okay? So we're going to read um, from our worship folders. Uh, we believe that the Bible was written by men but inspired by God. Um, that he had his, his handiwork in it. And today we learn about, uh, from John, who is an eyewitness walking with Jesus, about heaven. It's one of my favorite, absolute favorite portions uh, from John 14. You can follow along in the worship folder or on the screen. It says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Jesus is preparing a place for us, a place that is superior for us. It is so superior that a man named Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die, that would be gain. It was said of the heroes of faith that they were longing for a better country, better because they knew they were strangers here on earth. That's going to be our reflection. In fact, could you turn to the, next, the person next to you and tell them your best days are eternal? Your best days are eternal. Your best days are going to be eternal. Where are my beach people? Who, who, who enjoys the beach? Okay. I, I kind of like the beach, except that sand gets in the car, and I'm more of a car guy than a beach guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I've been to the beach, you know, and, um, and, and the beach, one of the things you usually do is build sand castles. It's, probably true if you have young kids. And I love sandcastle competitions where they make things like this. Like, mine never turn out that way. Are they using hairspray glue? Like, the sand doesn't stick that way for me. Right? Because my sandcastles are like three buckets. Right? And I try to put the one bucket on top of the others and it just smashes the others. And I try to do this little moat and that's, that's my sandcastle. I don't know if you've been there. But there's a problem with building sandcastles. And the problem is when you step away. Because it seems when you step away from your sandcastle, every beach that I've been a part of has that one child. And the sole duty of the one child is to find the sandcastle and to smash it. 
And for whatever reason, their parents are laissez-faire about the whole matter. They don't consider, you know, the work that has gone into building something so ornate, in my case, three buckets. But anyway, um, they, they just, they're, they're not content until they have smashed your sandcastle. You know what I'm saying? I bring this up because do you know that you live in a world that is a smashed sandcastle? That's your experience right now. I don't know if you've realized that. This is smashed sandcastle universe. What we know is, I believe God made this world. Jesus made it good, perfect, better than that picture. But then through an act of rebellion, it smashed it. It, it changed it. There brought chaos and confusion and the ultimate of Pandora's box. And that is still what we're living in. In fact, a man named Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said this about the sandcastle we're living in. That creation was subjected to frustration. You ever see it? You ever see the evidence of the smash? The earthquakes, the hurricanes. I consider Cole City, which is like Tornado Valley for how many years, and they remember how many times tornadoes have come, right? You know, we, we live in the smash sandcastle. But what's interesting about it is that there's still splendor. Like, even in this thing, like, like, you look at the stars and it's incredible. You go to the mountains and you're in awe. You see the Grand Canyon, it's like, wow! Can I tell you something about heaven? Heaven, it's a superior place. You right now are living in Jesus' beach project that got smashed. Someday, he is creating a place that has superior materials, superior skill, and is going to not be shaken by anyone, not destroyed by anyone. In fact, look at this passage. It says in 2 Peter that, that we have a new heavens and a new earth. It mentions nothing about like this rain puddle cloud that we're going to sit on. It says everything about a superior world. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of that movie, uh, Avatar. Do you remember when, when he was, like, exploring the new world at night and, like, everything glowed and it was amazing, especially in 3D and the IMAX, and that was awesome? That's my greatest vision of heaven so far. Something so far superior in splendor and grandeur that we get to explore because it's a new heavens and a new earth. And then I consider the time it took Jesus to make all of this. If you open to Genesis 1 and, and you look at that literally of what God's saying, does anyone know how long it says that this smashed sandcastle took? How long? Six days. And then we go to our lesson and it says Jesus is going, verse 2, he, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now how long has Jesus been gone? Roughly 2,000 years. <laughs> so you're saying in six years he did this? What in the world is he going to do with 2,000? Your mind needs to go there. Nature lovers, eat your heart out. Can you imagine the mountain ranges and the galaxies and the seas that we will explore? City lovers, if you're not a nature lover, I'm a city guy. Uh, city lovers, you've got to read Revelation 21. There's like a picture of a city of gold that is three, sizes the three times the size of Texas. So you can be a city boy and a nature lover, and I think you'll find your way because that is going to be a superior place, but I'm not done. I'm not done. In fact, uh, to go on further, has everyone had the flu lately? Who's been sick in the last couple months? Yeah, I was watching GMA, and, and it's like flu is at epidemic levels. 
And the Bloomer household relates to this. We had like three weeks in December that we were just done, like down, God said, right? And, and then we had it just a couple weeks ago again, just, you know, the common cold. And we're always dealing with sickness, and we're always dealing with pain and aches. And, and if it's not like that something hurts, sometimes it's just that something's wrong. You ever get sick of your bodily imperfections? Sorry to bring up everyone's insecurity. <laughs> but you look at your imperfections, you're like, man, I wish I could change that, right? And then there are other times where you've tried to change it and it got worse. Has anyone ever been there? <laughs> I went to a dermatologist once and I wanted to change something and make it better and I ended up with like four gnarly scars that I will never get rid of. And they're just, it's worse, people. It's not good. Or it's like going on a diet and gaining weight. You ever been there? I have. And if you're a doctor, if you're in the medical field, you just see the, the chaos of the body all the time. You see the sickness and you see the distortion and you see that, that not everything is what it should be. But can I tell you about heaven? What you need to know about heaven is that there you have a superior body. There, can you imagine not dealing with another sick day? Can you imagine not having to press through when you're feeling bad, but yeah, there's work to do? <laughs> You've been there. Can you imagine just feeling the goodness of health all the time? And now some of you might say, well, pastor, you know, what, what am I going to look like? And what is my age? And, and what size am I going to be? Now, I have some hypothesis. I was reading a book about heaven by Randy Alcorn, and uh, he said something that I think I sign on to. Um, look at what he said about bodily perception. He said this. Most people, when it comes to their bodies, they aren't longing for a perfect body as for the sense of well-being, but for approval that they think goes with it. Of this we can be certain, that in heaven, no matter what we will look like, our bodies will please the Lord, ourselves, and others. There's life there, isn't it? It's not going to matter. Age, size, shape. You will be completely confident in who you are, in the fact that the Lord loves you, and that others love you as well. How good is that? It's awesome. In fact, right now what we know about the body is that you got the beta version. And there's a final release. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to get an upgrade. You're going to get an upgrade. You're going to get an upgrade. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about in our first lesson. He said this, the body that is sown perishable, it's raised imperishable, sown dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, it's raised in power. I wonder if my body will be so powerful that when I run, I don't run because I have to, but because I want to. You know, that'll be a good body to have someday. <laughs> but I'm not done yet. Let's talk about relationships. Relationships. I'm at a place in my life where I think I'm at supreme satisfaction with the people God has put in my life. I'm not sure I've ever had a group of people in my life as, as honored as I get to walk with. Uh, that's, that's church, uh, that's small group, that's immediate family. There are people who are just dear to me. But the more I navigate relationships, the more I understand that the best of them are still a tricky dance. Where often I misstep, even when I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? I was reading this book uh, for our women's group. It's, it's a great book called Uninvited. And Lisa Turkhurst was opening up about her relational struggles and how it fuels her insecurity. She talks about how often in a relationship she wants me to become we, but it's so hard. And this is what she said. She said, sometimes the equation is, is make a friend, try your best with that friend, and then things go cold anyway. Can you relate? 
Even in our best relationships, there are still missteps. It's tricky. It's a dance. In fact, if I can be real with you, we just celebrated Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, did you get anything for Valentine's? You should have. If not, you dropped the ball. I don't know if there's still time either. I didn't go to Jared. I went to Jewel. Yep. And uh, hopefully that was enough. But as we epitomize what love is, the heights of love do not come through a person. The heights of love do not come through someone who is walking here on earth, but as Jesus Christ. i got to be real with you, that the one love that is eternal for me, that is unfailing for me, that really satisfies and fills me up, is Jesus Christ. And every other relationship I have does not come close, and I just told you I have superior satisfaction in those relationships right now. Maybe there's some people who can relate. Can I tell you about heaven? What you need to know is that there are superior relationships. I found this quote by a guy named John Burke. He said this. He said, I'm convinced there's a closeness and intimacy that God has in store for us that all the greatest intimacies on earth merely hinted at. A oneness and an ecstasy that makes sex seem trivial and boring in comparison. That someday our relationship, our closeness with God is going to be so great, it so blows out of the water anything else that we have thus experienced, any closeness we've ever had. How awesome. How awesome. But there's a final thing. I want to talk about satisfaction. Have you ever had a day where you planned exactly what you wanted to do, you did it, you felt it, you went there, and it was good, but still something was missing? (laughs) I've told some people the story. When I was a kid, I went to Disneyland, but at the very first part of the day, I got coffee spilled all over my stuff. Isn't that life? Our best days ever still have a headache. Our best days ever have still relational tension. Our best days ever still have something that didn't go exactly as we wanted it to go. And so we're left wondering, will I ever be satisfied? Because we have this experience that something is always missing. In fact, there are songs about can't get an unsatisfaction. Old songs, but anyway. Can you imagine being fully satisfied forever? Here's what we know about heaven. In heaven, what we identify is that we will see the face of God. Job said that after my skin has been destroyed, he will stand upon the earth, and I with my own eyes will see the Lord, how my heart yearns within me. In this series, Glory Days, we've been taking a look at the glory of God and and what it's like, and what we need to know about seeing the face of God. It is then, then and then only, that we can have superior satisfaction. Let me give you some proof. The psalmist said, I will be satisfied when? Just by being in the essence of what heaven is, in your likeness, in your glory, with you forever. All right. So I'm done going on about heaven for now, even though I could go on forever. But what we have as an experience here is kind of like an experience I had seeing Jersey Boys. I saw Jersey Boys downtown Chicago, and it was at the Bank of America Theater, and I stood in line for a $10 ticket. And I was so excited to get a $10 ticket because everyone had $200 tickets. My $10 ticket, so I was going to go, and I was going to sit in the front row. And then I got to the front row, and it was a seat like this. And I would have liked to see Jersey Boys. I can't tell you. I saw a quarter of Jersey Boys that night. If they came close to the stage, stage front, I saw their face. I didn't see the sets. I didn't see the choreography. 
In fact, I was so close, I think they were even lip-syncing on the night that I went. I just got a glimpse. Right now, that's all you get. When it comes to your vision of heaven, we're just doing this. And every now and then you get a glimpse because you have an experience where your body feels good and you have a, a little bit of satisfaction and you have a relationship that kind of fills you and all God is telling you, that is just a glimpse of what someday is going to be so far greater and you can't even imagine. Your best days have nothing compared to that eternal day. So who wants to go to heaven? Anyone? I want to go to heaven. In fact, I, I tell people this all the time, that as a pastor, do you know I'm just the ultimate party animal? Did you know that about me? I'm the ultimate party animal. I just understand where the party is, okay? <laughs> that I'm going to party like nobody's business eternally, regardless of what happens here, okay? And the question that comes next then is, how do we get there? It's kind of like the price is right. All this could be yours if the price is right. So what is that price? Well, there are societal views on it. In fact, uh, back to the good place. I was reading on Wikipedia, so I know it's from knowledge, um, that, uh, that the reason Kristen Bell was there is because she got mixed up with someone else's identity. She got mixed up with someone who was good, who was a humanitarian and saved people off of death row, and that was the only reason that she went to the good place. And that is, I believe, the prevailing spiritual thought. You be good, you go to the good place. The price needed to pay is your good deeds. But friends, this may be what you have thought, this may be a societal view, but it isn't what God has said. Consider what, what Isaiah the prophet said about our good deeds that we present. He said this, he said, um, Now, sorry, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. None of us can say we're good enough to go to the good place. And even our most righteous acts are, are never going to do the job. So what's the price? That's the message this church is built upon. That the price we needed is not the price we paid, but the price Jesus paid. The message this church is built upon is that when we were unredeemable, he redeemed us. When we were unlovable, he loved us. When we didn't want to be called, he called us, and he has paid the price. And the good news of God is this, that we don't just get heaven someday, we get him right now. And he is the greatest love this world has to offer. And we not only have this love in this lifetime, we get the fullness and the fruition of that love forever by his side. And what you need to know is that you have a corresponding glory to his very own glory. That if it's true that he rose, you will rise. If it's true that he's reigning, which he is, you will reign. If it's true that he's glorified, you will experience that glory for yourself. This is the news. Jesus has paid the price. And it's ours as a gift. Man, I'm hoping that, that the Spirit will work in your heart. And regardless of how I presented it, you would just be confirmed that, that there is a God who loves you, that there is a God who is good, that there is a God who wants good for you now and for forever. But we can't leave yet. We can't party yet. Because at Amazing Love, we're not content just with head knowledge. 
At Amazing Love, we have to ask, okay, so what does that affect and how does that affect my right now? How does this message speak to today? I brought a rope. I don't know if you can see the rope. This rope is the equivalent of 60,000 years. 60,000 years represented. I measured it right. 60,000 years. And I wanted to show you where we line up. You want to see where we are? In 60,000 years, this is you. Right here. If you're a kid, this red part is living with the parents. I don't know if there are any kids. Here's your part. If you're working and maybe you have a good career, this blue part is maybe 50 years at a good job. This green part, everyone's really concerned about. It's called retirement, right? A lot of emotion, a lot of passion along this, this green part. But what about this? What, 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 about, what about here? Because there's this song that says, even when we're at 10,000 years, maybe I'm at 10,000 years here, there's a song that says we still have no less days than to sing God's praise forever. What in the world are we doing possibly escaping this for this? If that's your wager, if you're going to live just for this and, and, and not, not consider this, I, ju I just need to, I need to do this math equation with you. Because this rope just doesn't go for 60,000 60, years. It goes on for eternity. And I just believe that if, if what we do here affects here, we should focus on this part. And so there's this church called Amazing Love. And at this church for eight years, there are people who serve together, who sacrifice together who invited their friends to this place to hear of Jesus. And the reason we did it, and the reason we continue to do it even after eight years, is because of this. It's because someday, I'll have so much better food with you. Someday, we'll go really exploring together when we have plenty of free time. Someday, will have the best relationship, even better than right now. And that will be eternal. We will not forget this. To forget that would be like an Olympian who doesn't consider the gold medal. It'd be like an NFL player who never thinks of the Lombardi Trophy. It'd be an NHL player who never thinks of the Stanley Cup. We are not playing pickup basketball here. We are not doing this just for fun. We are doing this because this culminates to a higher purpose. And this is where we will be. And that party, it's going to be one heck of a party. And those days together will be our best days forever and ever and ever. Amen.